Welcome back to the WellDoc podcast. This month, we're excited to welcome back the members of the Department of Student Mental Health and Wellness. With us today, we have Robin Hershkowitz, current Director of Student Mental Health and Wellness, and Lauren Lang, the newest member of the team. Robin is a licensed clinical social worker trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, problem-solving therapy, and supportive psychotherapy. She also has extensive experience working with adults with high suicide risk and cancer populations from her work at Weill Cornell and Memorial Sloan Kettering. Lauren is also a licensed clinical social worker who has a background in forensic treatment and evaluation, as well as serving as a clinical member of the Critical Incident for Stress Management team that provided trauma treatment and support for law enforcement and first responders. Please join us in welcoming them for a chat about managing stress and stress responses. Today we have Lauren and Robin from uh, Student Mental Health and Wellness. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Thank you. I'm glad. Okay, so one of the questions that we usually start with is, what are three good things that happened to you this week? Okay, I'll start. So this is, I'm Robin Hershkowitz. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the director of Student Mental Health and Wellness. So three good things. I love that question. First and foremost, my new coffee maker arrived this week, which is life-changing. Second was I was able to spend time with an old, not old person, but old dear friend who I hadn't seen in a long time. That was really nice. And today I finished my Invisalign. That's a big accomplishment. Big week, starting with the coffee maker. That's awesome. And Lauren? This week, I would have to say three good things that have happened. I woke up and I was able to focus on a really good routine for myself and self-care, which is something that I haven't been able to do for the past couple of days. I was able to really accomplish some really good tasks around the house and finish off paying off some student loan, which was a very big accomplishment. Yay. I also found out that I'm going to be in one of my very dearest friend's wedding coming up. So I get to celebrate with her within her party and help her plan. So these are some really positive things that have happened that I have a lot of future-oriented for. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. On all the accounts, you know, you have Robin with your Invisalign, your coffee maker. I'm sure that's an amazing part of the week. And Lauren with, you know, taking such a huge part in such a monumental life moment with one of your friends. That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. So this week... We're going to be talking about stress management, and Lauren and Robin are the perfect people to guide us through this this topic. And so one of the first questions that we have are, what are some of the general categories of ways students can learn to manage stress? So it's a great, it's a great question. So first, we thought we'd talk a little bit about how we define stress, because that can certainly be a little subjective. So think of stress as something external in your environment. And, and then your reaction to that stress induces more stress, right? So an internal reaction to stress may be something like anxiety or worry or things like that. But stress is typically something external, like an event or a situation. And when we encounter, of course, a stressful situation, our nervous system releases hormones that give us sort of a boost, right? Fight or flight response, which is meant to help us cope with a threat. So it accelerates heartbeat, breathing, it tends up our muscles and sometimes even increases sweating. But the reaction is meant to be temporary or short term. And in normal conditions, the body recovers quickly. 
Um, now there's different types of stress. Some stress is good, like graduation. Stress can be positive. Sometimes it helps keep us alert or motivated. From a biological perspective, it helps us avoid danger. An example of how stress can be useful, let's say if you have a test coming up, a stress response might help your body work harder and stay awake longer. But as I mentioned, stress becomes a problem when stressors continue long-term, right? It's meant to be short-term, that, that response. But when it's long-term without relief or any periods of um, a break or relaxation, chronic stress then leads to continued activation of the stress response, which then causes wear and tear on our body. And of course, when we're under stress, we have to acknowledge that we're not functioning optimally, which is something that is really important, right, in this environment. But it can also, long-term chronic stress can lead to burnout. So even a small stressor can cause a serious problem if it's a constant stressor, it's cumulative. So um, the more the stress system is activated, the more responsive it becomes, making it more difficult to shut off, right? It's a really vicious cycle, actually. So we thought we'd approach it with this idea of you can't really avoid stress, but you can stop it from becoming overwhelming or catching it before it escalates. Um, we talk a lot about really trying to be proactive. Think of it as being preventative. Um, sometimes it's, it's easier said than done. So, so what are some of the things that, that you can do? I'm sure you've heard some of the basics like exercise, eat right, get enough sleep, but try and think of it like exercise when you feel symptoms of stress coming on. This idea of even a short walk can boost your mood. You could do some basic things like reflect at the end of each day, take a moment to think about what you've accomplished, not what you didn't get done perspective is really important. And I think we, we tend to focus on all the things we have to do. And sometimes it's important to reflect on what did we actually do? Set goals. Goals don't have to be huge. You know, you can set goals for your day, for your week, your month, this idea of feeling um, accomplished and also narrowing your view can help you feel more in control in the moment on long-term tasks as well. And, and develop ways to counterbalance your obligations. Like how can you inject some fun into your everyday, even if it's free? How can you sort of inject things that are enjoyable to you, even if it's not for a long period of time? So this idea of interrupting the stress response cycle has actually a very significant impact in the long term. Um, another thing we, we like to talk about a lot is um, accept the things that you cannot control. So really hard ones. So sometimes we can't change the situation. We just can't. There are pieces of a problem that are always within your control. But sometimes there are things that are out of your control. And so part of it is not just focusing on what is within your control, but sometimes when you can't change a situation, ask yourself, how can I change my way of thinking about this same situation? How you think about something will change how you feel about something. And often our perspective sometimes gets really fixed. So if we can say, you know, how else my approach is to think about it. So this is less distressing to me. It doesn't mean it changes the reality, but it can allow you to view the same situation differently. And then really focus on what of those pieces are within your control. But you can't change maybe how your roommate responds because that's, that's who they are, but you can change how you approach the same situation. We talk a lot about taking breaks. Again, that idea of just pausing that, that stress cycle. And I, I want you to think about um, 
that sometimes you're going to say you need to say yes and sometimes you need to say no. So say yes to a coffee break, to dinner, to a night off, to watching one Netflix show. But sometimes it really does mean saying no. No, I'm I'm not able to help you with that today. No, I'm not available to talk or I'm not up for that. Notice I didn't say sorry. I didn't say I'm sorry I'm not available for you. It's really important to set boundaries for yourself. And when you have so much on your plate or you say, you know, that exam is coming up, it's really important that you communicate, but that you feel very comfortable saying yes and to saying no without apologizing because we don't want you to, you don't want to apologize for taking care of yourself. And in that moment, recognizing what you need is really important. Um, So also, I guess this idea of finding balance between what you have to do and what you want to do, what you can do. And just to add to that, you know, you don't have to dedicate a significant amount of time to self-care for it to be effective. Little amount of time can be really, really important. And I always, you'll hear me say this often, it's better to do something that you enjoy or that's helpful for you in a modified way than to just not do it at all. I don't have time for that, so I can't do it. Well, what if you did it for five minutes? What if you did it for 60 seconds? It's literally better than not doing it all because you have to start at some place. If you were to practice any of these or you wanted to start a self-care routine, schedule it. We are more likely to do something. If we if we put it on our calendar and it has an alarm, we are more likely to do it. And I, I want to just add, be flexible. You know, it's not a one size fits all. You may have to try out different self-care or stress reduction type of tools until you find the one that feels right for you. People will say often, well, I don't like yoga. It's not comfortable. Okay. What else have you tried? So, you know, there are different ways to care for yourself and it's really being open and flexible and just trying to really find something that's actually useful and helpful to you. And we'll talk later about also relaxation activities or stress reduction actions, we call them, that you can take to to really physically calm your body, like meditation, yoga, breathing exercises. I love breathing exercises. They're portable. You can do them anywhere. Guided imagery and and muscle relaxation all sort of fall under that that same category. Awesome. Wow. Thank you, Robin, so much for that. I think you hit hit it now on the head when you talked about a lot of different techniques that we can use and how we can actually apply it to our everyday life. One thing that I actually found really fascinating is modifying self-care. One thing, like, for example, that I really enjoy doing is working out. I enjoy working out, but I don't have the time to dedicate one hour or 45 minutes. So even if I get 10 minutes in, that in and of it, just focusing on those 10 minutes, okay, this is my me time, that in and of itself already counteracts the stress that I already feel. And then I can go back and continue focusing on what I need to focus on. So yeah, thank you so much for that. So um, with that said, now that you mentioned some practical ways, what are some problem solving, reframing, or stress management techniques that students can practice on their own at home? Yeah, this is Lauren. I'm going to kind of step in here a little bit. So, you know, kind of piggybacking on what Robin said about stress. And I love the fact, Robin, that you mentioned that we have to approach it. Stress is a part of us. Stress is, it's a survival technique. You know, that's why if we were faced with a lion, we would go, we would run because it it taught us to survive and it taught us to fight. It's a reactive hormone that we have, that cortisol for us to survive. And what you mentioned too, something very important, cumulative stress. So that's something that 
when we continue to have stressful situations, even though it's small, it becomes a buildup. And if we don't process it well, what happens is that cortisol gets bigger, our frontal lobe gets smaller, and the amygdala that carries our fight, flight, or freeze will start becoming reactive. And we don't want that because we will be very heightened emotionally. We will not be able to process. We won't be able to retain information. And we're going to end up making major mistakes and life choices that we don't want that. Also, it doesn't feel good. So one thing that I like, because stress affects us physiologically, it affects our body because the cortisol seeps into our lungs, our chest, our heart, our shoulders, neck. You know, we carry our stress with us, right? It hurts so bad. And the one thing that's really important, a good technique to focus on, and this is something to do continuously, not when we're really stressed, is to never lose our breath. We want to make sure that our breath isn't in our chest. It's not in our shoulders, that we're breathing through our diaphragm because that's going to release a lot of the tension. And a lot of times when we're tense and we're stressed, we hold in our face, we make mean faces. It hurts. I know this personally because I have like serious mean faces sometimes when I'm thinking too harshly. (laughs) So, and it gives me headaches and we need to kind of take that away and just be more mindful of what our body is telling us. Um, so a few things that I like as like kind of reframing techniques that I like to use is I love the idea of mantras. So if I'm having a morning where the coffee spills, and I locked my keys out of my car and I'm running late and I'm like very hyper and not feeling well. And I just like the world is cursing me today. I have to give myself five mantras. I got this. This is going to end. I am strong. I can handle this. I'm going to move forward from this. This isn't permanent. And I repeat that. I need to hear it. It needs to be auditory. I need to say it because what that does is it restructures my mind cognitively and it changes the perspective of the stress. I don't feel like the world is necessarily falling down on me at that moment anymore. And I'm able to move on. Can I add one thing? Yeah. One thing I love those. One thing we say in our in my house all the time is like tomorrow's a new day. Like we're we're lucky enough to get up the next day, tomorrow's a new day. You know, and I, I think it's great. The other thing that I like what you're saying, like, you know, the coffee spilled, the moment's over, the rest of the day happens. Like sometimes we're like, today was a terrible day. Was it? Was every single thing terrible? In that idea of can you find something else like that piece of my day was terrible? Is there anything else that was good? Or, and if not, okay, try again tomorrow. It's over. I got this. So I love your mantras. Thanks. Just like Scarlet from Gone with the Wind, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Scarlet. Well, think about this today. I will think about it tomorrow. You know, such a good way of kind of putting it on there and, and noticing when you are feeling so stressed that that is not the time to make life choices. Mm-hmm. Because that comes back to you going into that fight, flight, or freeze, the reactiveness, the heightened emotionality. We don't want that. We are not processing. We're not thinking in our rational mind. So it's really important to come back. And these mantras do. They change our perspective. And it's so important to have that and to understand I'm having a bad moment. I'm not having a bad day. Continue moving through and incorporating balance. So, you know, some cognitive kind of reframing is really important and coming up with those five mantras 
and sticking with it. I love that, Robin. You know, tomorrow's another day. It is. It absolutely is. And it's probably not going to be like it was, you know, today in that perspective. And every day we get a chance to start over. Actually, in every moment, whatever just happened, it's over. Shake it off. You know, I had a therapist once tell me uh, that I worked with, loved this. He told me, you know, Lauren, you can always start your day over. You can. You have a bad thought, you can change it. And you said something else too that I I really like is um, this idea of practicing some of these techniques when you're not stressed. So we'll definitely do some of this together, but the best way to learn this is, of course, to use it when you're distressed or stressed, but to also practice it when you're not. The idea being that if you can practice something when you're not under distress, you can easily recall it when you actually need it. So that, and again, it fits Mm -hmm. with what Lauren's saying. It's very hard to learn when we're in a state of hyperarousal. Yeah, we do have control over our thoughts. So we were... Lauren kind of cued us up really well for talking about some of these strategies in, in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, we call these the behavioral strategies or actions that you can take to physically reduce some of the, the symptoms associated with stress. <clears throat> so we thought we'd, we'd walk you through two things. One, a muscle relaxation exercise, and, and then a guided imagery. And I'll say these things take practice. I really like the guided ones because I think you know, when you do things like this, of course, your mind wanders, which is yeah. totally normal. If you notice it, just bring your mind back. No big deal. But for people who really have a lot of racing thoughts, so it's just hard to, to really focus, having listening to somebody else guiding you through these things really helps it be, be more effective. So if you're up for it, we can try one. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So we, we wanted to start with the muscle relaxation, right? Lauren was talking about where we carry all our, our tension. Um, it's also another thing to just think about where individually do you carry stress? So we have it in different ways, but muscle relaxation is great to relieve muscle tension or pain. It helps with headaches and it increases um, the feeling of calmness. It's also really helpful for people who have trouble falling asleep because it directs your mind. And if you do this continuously, it will help your body relax enough to fall asleep. Um, and it's really simple. You're just focusing on different body parts. And we'll walk you through that. So I'm going to ask you to just sit or lay down a comfortable position wherever you are. And you can keep your eyes open or closed, whatever works for you. And just start by taking an easy, normal breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. You want to put your hand on your abdomen to just feel expanding and contracting. We're going to start with one body part at a time imagining it and relaxing it and move through till we get to the end and then we'll go back and scan to see if there's any tension left. My forehead is calm and relaxed. My forehead is calm and relaxed. My eyes are calm and relaxed. My eyes are calm and relaxed. My face is calm and relaxed. My face is calm and relaxed. My mouth is calm and relaxed. My mouth is calm and relaxed. My entire head is calm and relaxed. My entire head is calm relaxed. My neck is calm 
and relaxed. My neck is calm and relaxed. My chest is warm and heavy. My chest is warm and heavy. My right arm is warm and heavy. My right arm is warm and heavy. My left arm is warm and heavy. My left arm is warm and heavy. My right arm and my left arm are warm and heavy. My stomach is calm and relaxed. My stomach is calm and relaxed. My entire upper body is warm and heavy, calm and relaxed. My right thigh is warm and heavy. My right thigh is warm and heavy. My right lower leg is calm and relaxed. My right lower leg is calm and relaxed. My left thigh is warm and heavy. My left thigh is warm and heavy. My left lower leg is calm and relaxed. My left lower leg is calm and relaxed. My entire body is warm and heavy, calm and relaxed. My entire body is warm and heavy, calm and relaxed. I'd like you to scan your entire body for any remaining tension, starting with your head until you reach your toes. If you find any tension, breathe and relax that body part and move on to the next. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes if they were closed. Wow. I'm ready How for that. How did that feel? That was great. I think I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my nightly routine. Yeah, that was that was really great. I'm sure that will be so so useful for so many people. Um, thank you for doing that. So it's really short, but it just I really like it because you can see if you're having trouble falling asleep, you can really hyper focus, right? You can get much more detailed and then just repeat. So if you're up for one more, we could do a guided imagery. Okay. Do we have time for that? So, so guided imagery, I like it. It helps people relax by, again, you know, focusing the mind on something else. You can focus the mind on a calm place or an object instead of thinking about, you know, a stressful situation or daily hassles. Sometimes people will take a picture and they'll relive a memory or bring themselves back to their favorite vacation or something that's just really comforting for them. It's, it's helpful for people who experience racing thoughts or who get stuck on one thought. Also, it's really helpful for insomnia or, again, those intrusive mm -hmm. thoughts. And creative imagery really utilizes our senses to imagine and, and um, induce that experience. And so I'm going to try and transport you 
to hopefully a relaxing or at the least a, a neutral place. So again, I'm going to ask you to just get comfortable, relax your body. Hopefully you've released your tension. And again, just take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and allow your entire body to just rest heavily on the surface where you sit or lie. Now that your body's relaxed, allow the visualization. Imagine you're walking toward the ocean, walking through a beautiful tropical forest. You can hear waves up ahead. You can smell the ocean spray. The air is warm. You feel a pleasant, cool breeze blowing through the trees. You walk along a path, coming closer to the sea. As you come to the edge of the trees, you see the brilliant aqua color of the ocean ahead. You walk out of the forest and onto a long stretch of white sand. The sand is very soft powder. Imagine taking off your shoes and walking through the hot white sand toward the water. The beach is wide and long. Hear the waves crashing to the shore. It's peaceful here. Smell the clean salt water and beach. You gaze again toward the water. It's bright blue green. See the waves washing up onto the sand and receding back toward the ocean, washing up and flowing back down. Enjoy the ever repeating rhythm of the waves. Imagine yourself walking toward the water over the fine hot sand. You are feeling very warm. Pay attention to what you smell, what you hear, what you see. Maybe you hear birds in the background. It's a pleasant, soothing sound. Walk further into the clear, clean water. You can see the white sand under the water. The water is pleasant, relaxing temperature. Provides relief from the hot sun. It's cool, but not cold. You walk further into the water if you wish. Swim if you want. Enjoy the ocean for a few minutes. You feel more and more relaxed as you enjoy the ocean. Now you feel calm and refreshed. You walk back out of the water and onto the beach. Stroll along the beach at the water's edge, free of worries and calm. Up ahead is a comfortable lounge, chair and towel just for you. And you sit or lie, sit in the chair or lie on the towel on the sand. Relax on the chair or towel, enjoying the warm sun, breeze and waves. You feel peaceful and relaxed. Allow all your stress to melt away. Hear the sounds and the smell all around you. Feel the heat of the sun. And when you are ready to return, do so slowly. 
slowly bring yourself back to your usual state of alertness and awareness. Keep with you the feeling of calm and relaxation, feeling ready to return to your day. Whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. How was that? That was really pleasant. It just comes to show how powerful the mind is because the emotions it evokes because Right now I'm feeling very relaxed and a lot less stressed than I was about an hour ago when I was stuck in traffic. So <laughs> I'm glad. It really is powerful. And particularly if you can induce a memory that naturally has really positive feelings around it, you can bring yourself any place that, that you like. So creative visualization or the muscle relaxation, all of them is a skill that we learn. And so the more you can practice, the better you'll become at it really having this be a useful um, tool for you. Yeah, and I, I really think these will be useful tools for anybody, um, anybody who is experiencing any kind of stress. And I guess it leads me to my next question, um, because you have to kind of know yourself and kind of see where your mind is at or where you are at in terms of stress. So how can students learn to assess their current state of mind uh, and recognize when they might need to seek outside help? Yeah, Laura and I were talking about this today. Um, and we were we were thinking of a speaker we had recently and, and wanted to just share this in case people didn't hear it. Um, so Dr. Abigail Nathanson recently came to speak with us and she shared something that I think is, is really um, powerful. She talked about knowing your window of tolerance and that it's, uh, it's a metaphorical window, of course. But when we're feeling good and we're balanced, we're operating inside that window, we're at our best, we're okay. But, you know, due to whether cumulative stress or events or things that are going on, we, we go outside of the space and we can be in what Lauren talked about, right? A state of hypoarousal, or sometimes that can look like feeling emotionally numb, where you're like, I just, I've got nothing, right? Or, or sometimes it, it can lead you to, to feel even like detached quite a bit. So, so a couple of things, you know, knowing... <clears throat> when what some of your triggers are maybe or really recognizing when you're outside of what your own window is that's contributing to that even recognizing when you are maybe feeling really powerless to change things and so she talked about you know asking yourself questions like where am i what brings me back into this window like what do i need to get back there and then that idea of why am i there what are some of those triggers or things that have contributed to this? And how do I move this so that I'm, I'm back in that better space? And she asked this question that we both really like, which is what do I need in order to show up as the version of myself that I like? And I think it's a really powerful question, right? When we're out of that window, we don't feel good and we're not acting in a way that we typically feel good about, whether it's because we're forgetting things or we're not doing our best work, or we're yelling at people, or like that emotion's just really close to the surface. So, so those are a couple of things. One is recognizing that sometimes friends point it out to us, but then really without judgment, with kindness, saying, okay, what's, what's going on? And what do I need to get back to that sort of homeostasis where I feel okay? You know, we touched on this a little bit, but you know, we experience stress physically and emotionally. And I think some of those signs can be they can be attributed to a lot of different things, but we thought we'd just put them out there again for to be aware of. So physical symptoms of stress or distress 
included, you know, aches and pains, chest pain, feeling like your heart is racing, really extreme exhaustion or trouble sleeping. Again, we understand this could be other medical conditions, but really just, again, being aware of it and, and paying attention to it. Headaches, dizziness, even extreme anxiety. Sometimes people shake, high blood pressure. I recently had someone come to me and say they have really high blood pressure and they think it's because they've got they've had a full workout because it's anxiety. Um, muscle tension, jaw clenching, you know, get that locked jaw, um, stomach aches, digestive problems, trouble having sex or being hypersexual. Those are really not great signs of, that you're coping well, um, right? That you're not coping in an optimal way. Um, stress can lead to emotional symptoms, anxiety, irritability. So that usually you'll see, you'll see that, right? That's just that frustration tolerance is very low. But it can also lead to, to other things, right? Depression, panic attacks, sadness. So other things that if you're not tuned into that, other things to look for are just some unhealthy ways of coping, drinking too much alcohol, too much, too often, substance use or abuse, overeating or eating too little, self-harm, anger, violence, and strained relationships or friendships. You know, if you're, you're those are different, than how you usually function, those are all really good um, indicators. So this idea of trying to recognize in yourself, knowing your own triggers, and then again, trying to get help before it escalates to that point. It's not to say we can't help you, but but we want you to get there earlier. So it, it kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning about being preventative, um, being proactive when it comes to listening to your triggers and listening to where you're at mentally. Unfortunately, one of the biggest problems that we have as students is that we may have all of these signs and we may have all of these overt signs that we're stressed, but we're so focused on the fact that asking for help is going to take up a lot of time. And as we know, lack of time is usually a huge stressor for a lot of students. So how can we reframe that and overcome that idea? Yeah. And before we get there, Lauren, I just, did you want to add something to, to what we're previously? Yeah. I want to kind of piggyback on what you were just saying about the physiological responses, the shaking, the shortness of breath, the body aches, the digestive part of it, of how our digestive system will shut down or become um, irritable. These are going back to that kind of survival techniques of being running from that lion. That's what our body was meant for, for stress, uh, which is why we start feeling like this. Having these feelings because of something that's non-threatening is really dangerous for our body. And those are great signs to really say, I hit a point that I am not taking care of myself. And also some of what Robin was saying with those kind of like drinking too much, overeating, um, not sleeping enough, those kind of maladaptive behaviors are really, really common because what our brain is doing at that moment is saying, I need to go the path of least resistance. I need to find a way where I can make myself feel better instantly that I don't need to work. Hey, remember that bag of chips? Yeah, that was really great. That fulfilled me and I'm I'm not hungry anymore for the 10 minutes that it took me to eat those chips. It's easier than I don't want to cook dinner. And the over and under sexuality and behavior is very important as well, because that's another instant gratification if we're overdoing it. And oftentimes the sensation can be 
used as a coping mechanism. And that's something to be very, very aware of because that is very unhealthy for us to get into a bad habit. And that that's for a whole different night. But yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate the question. And I also, we know how valuable, how valuable your, your time is. I mean, I think I would put, what I want to ask you to do is imagine your life without anything changing. How does that feel? How can you, can you sustain that level of stress and take a cost benefit analysis of this? And if it's not great, then it's in your best interest to try and reduce the intensity of the stress and to mitigate the impact that it has on you, right? You lead busy, stressful lives, but how are you caring for yourself knowing that that's a fact of your life right now? Again, this idea of, okay, that piece, I don't have any control over, but you make a choice on how you care and show up for yourself. So think of self-care as an investment in yourself that can have that immediate gratification and a long-term impact. The truth is we make time for things that we value. And if you value self-care, you, you will make time for it. Um, I think it's hard sometimes to consider talking to us or you know, any therapist, but, but I, you know, you'll find this in life. Everybody needs help from time to time. And going to speak to someone doesn't mean that we're starting to talk about your parents and your whole life. We're going to help you with what's going on right now. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be okay. Now we're meeting every week for the rest of your life. Like there are short term ways, right. To help you. So it's an investment in yourself, but it doesn't have to be like, this is it. You know, you're here for a long time. You know, if we're talking also about, you know, everyday stress, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, people who are experiencing depression or anxiety, if they're unable to sleep or even enjoy life and their quality of life is really impacted or turning to substances or things like that, you know, that's, that's really what, what we're here for. Hopefully we're helping you before you get to that point, but we'll help you at any point. It, it doesn't matter. And I, and I think the other piece is just remembering that self-care reduces your risk for health problems, distress, burnout, emotional exhaustion, and strained, strained relationships. And so stress is subjective. It's not measurable by tests. Only the person experiencing it can determine whether it's present and how severe it feels. So only you can decide not only how much is too much, but when you've reached your limit. And we are encouraging, and really the research shows that the, the earlier you get to this, the less all of these other things will, the less intense it will feel, the better able you will be to to cope with all the things that, that really life throws at you. Yeah, I can definitely, definitely agree to that. And it's almost like what you were saying earlier about cognitive reconstruction, cognitive reframing, just shifting our mind from saying, I'm doing self-care right now for a long-term benefit, not so much for a short-term benefit. Yes, it has a short-term benefit, right? You feel less stressed, you feel more relaxed, you're able to do what you need to do for the day. But at the end of the day, it also has a long-term benefit of less mental health issues issues, less physical issues, you know, better ways of coping with things. So that's really great. Thank you so much, guys. And I don't know why I thought about this. It's just almost, and I'm not trying to reduce humanity to a car, but it's almost like if we don't get that constant oil change in this case, metaphorically self-care, then it's, our car is going to break down. And then that's going to cost so much more in the long run yes. than if we would have kept up right. with the maintenance and that can relate to our 
important to us as humans with keeping up with our mental health and our self-care, however that looks like to each one of us. It's a great analogy. And anyone who knows me knows I love analogies. I often say the medical school is like running a marathon. But if you think about it, if you've ever really ran one or watched one, they, the winner doesn't just start really fast in the beginning and, and go that whole rate and the whole distance, right? No, what do they do? They pull over, they get their snack, they get some water, they get back on. You see them, right? And they always make it to the end. So let's hope everybody makes it to the end, but what condition do you want to be in when you get to the end? I want to be like that person who pulls over, gets a drink, has a little energy bar, and then goes back on because they go the distance and they are taking care of their body. So that's my med school analogy. <laughs> I like it. Thank you so much for this talk. Um, I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure any and all of our listeners will appreciate it and yeah. uh, will have practical ways to practice coping with stress. With that said, how can students utilize resources from student mental health and wellness for managing stress? Yeah, sure. So we have a bunch of resources. I'll start like for our week. We have um, two groups um, a week for creative arts healing, which is fantastic. I did it a couple weeks ago as a participant. And I can tell you, I learned more in the bushel of flowers about myself than I have ever. It was very eye-opening and I felt very relaxed. It was fantastic. And we have goodie bags for anyone who wants supplies. I mean, it's great. It is going to be ending in a few weeks though. So I want to just point that out to get your spots in. And and really experience it. Going back to mindfulness and grounding, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have yoga and meditation. Highly recommend utilizing those services. They're fantastic. It's an hour to two hours of your time a week. Please look it up. We also have our helpline, which is fantastic. Um, it's a 24-hour support if you're feeling stress and crisis, if you need information about anything going on in your life. Uh, the number is one 384 We also have Teladoc. So if you do have a schedule that is absolutely, you're in, you know, rotation from 5 a.m. till 7 p.m. And it's just so hard for you to like wind down. They are a great service to utilize. It's free. Um, and you can absolutely schedule within your time frame. And we also, of course, have Robin and I, and we have Sarah and Amy, who are always going to be there for you. So you can always contact us with the confidential email at nymc-smhwcconnect at nymc.edu. You can contact our general email, smhw at nymc.edu. You can also um, keep a lookout for any of our upcoming events because they're for you. They're for you to come to. So we have one, we have a dietitian coming on April 6th who's really going to talk about how to make healthy meals, healthy choices, how to do it quickly, easy recipes that are just going to be for nourishing ourselves, which I know is going to be fantastic. I am very excited to have my front row seat there. Um, so keep a lookout for our flyers and our emails for that event. And please RSVP. It is very helpful. You don't have to, but it, it, it does help. Am I missing anything? No, I mean, I'm just so <laughs> impressed. It was like, you know, you need a microphone. Um, 
Oh, yeah, no, Lauren, Lauren, all the services. Listen, I mean, the truth is we have individual counseling, we have group counseling, we have it on site at NYMC, we have it virtually with us, we have it through Teladoc, you have access to psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, licensed clinical social workers, mental health professionals, you pick the type you want, um, it's there for you. And, and we're trying to offer services 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. I mean, not trying, we are, and that's part of why Teladoc yeah. became useful in, in a lot of ways. So I always say, and I genuinely mean that, we don't pretend that we know everything. So if something is missing or you have a something, a need, right? Shoot us an email and say, hey, I was hoping to find a group for this, or I really not sure what to do with this, but can we come talk to you about it? Of course you can. And we just, um, we did the website, our, our web pages that are hopefully easier to navigate. The one thing I also really, we say this all the time, but it's because it's worth repeating. We are not only a free service, we're a confidential service. We are a neutral service. We do not provide reports to faculty, staff, or administration. We follow HIPAA. I mean, we really are there to support support students and, um, and it's a separate service. So I, I like to just remind you of that because there, there can't, that can be a barrier um, that gets in the way of really seeking help. Yes. In this, it doesn't need to be. Thank you so, so much, Robin and Robin, <laughs> for listing all those amazing resources. Um, I can attest that a few of my friends have attended yoga and meditation, and they absolutely love it. It's definitely been a stress reliever. I know a few people who do therapy, and they've also found it really, really helpful. So thank you so much for all that you do. So to end our podcast, is there something or anything that I didn't ask you that uh, you wish that I did ask you? No, I think for the time that we have, I think we hit a lot of really important points. I do. And I think that we can branch off some of these if you know when we come back and, and talk a little bit more in depth. And I'm curious to know from the listeners, what are some topics that they would like for us to really go into depth about? Be really happy to talk about it. Oh, I did think of one thing. Oh, um, go ahead. Yes. I um, so we take all feedback. You don't have to tell us directly. You know, we have an anonymous survey. And if you want to drop by the relaxation room in Sunshine Cottage in uh, the Dean's Conference Room, we have a lot of really fun sensory stuff and little toys and um almost everything i think has this little sticker if you scan the qr code it takes you to our survey and we are really fond of giving out raffle prizes once a month to anyone who to someone not anyone one, one winner and some of those prizes have been gift cards to starbucks the last one was to amazon but um you know our survey is on our signature so you can always take it there's a number of people taking it and the feedback's really helpful so that's another avenue and to, if you want to provide feedback, but still enter the raffle, but remain anonymous, you can just shoot us an email and say, hey, I filled out the raffle. There's a lot of people who, um, I mean, I filled out the survey to enter the raffle. There's a lot of people who fill out the survey, so it's really hard for us to know who you are. So feel free to do that. Be uninhibited to share your feedback. We, we want the program to work for you, not for us. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, just a piggyback question. Is the relaxation room going to be forever now? I can't say that, but we did have a request to keep it. So Lauren dedicated her light for a week. So the light has gone, but the rest of the items, most of them um, are still there. And so if you find it's valuable, we'll keep it and we'll keep um, restocking it, but um, go check it out. No downside. 
free stuff and it gives you an opportunity. Maybe you just need a minute. There's also games, like if you want to play cards with someone or do something. Yep. Um, you know, coloring books. Out Adult coloring books. Crosswords. Yep. But there's like card games, all clean, of course, but they're, they're good. <laughs> well, hopefully so many listeners will be able to use the relaxation room and be a part of all the resources that you guys have. So thank you so, so much for joining me today. And I hope you guys have an amazing, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Really, we appreciate being asked to be a part of this. We really enjoy it. Very grateful. Thank you. Hopefully we get to meet soon. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's a wrap on this episode. We hope some of the techniques mentioned will be useful to you in practice. And please remember that you can always reach out to any of the members of the student mental health and wellness team should you find yourself needing extra help. Special thank you to Wilson Zhang for editing this podcast, Bessie Roca for interviewing the team, and alumni Matthias Palmer and Aparna Venkaswaran for creating the intro and music. See you next month.